welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Wonderful, Lord. Father, we come with open hearts. We come with open hands. Uh, with, an, with, with just a life that's available. And we really do want you to speak today. We want you to challenge us. We want to go, we're not here, um, some of us might just be here because it's Father's Day, but Father, there's some people that are here because we're, we're just hungry to know you more. And we have a belief and a conviction that if you're the God of all ages, if you're the God of the death, burial and resurrection, if you're the God that loves us so much, if you're the God of the Bible, then we want to know you in that way. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and do your best work right now, that you would show up even in ways that are unrelated to this message, to this time together. But Holy Spirit, you would speak the words into hearts that they need to hear. I pray that you would, as I submit myself to you, that you would use the words of my mouth, that they would be like a an arrow that would be shot out of the very voice of God, that they would divide between spirit and flesh, bone and marrow, the very intent, the content of man's heart. As we submit ourselves to you, we pray that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus. That's all we want. We just want the name of Jesus to be glorified. We just want the name of Jesus to be magnified. Lord, and we know it starts in this room. We know it starts in our homes. We know it starts in our hearts. We know it starts on a personal level before it'll ever really have the impact that we desire to see in our community. So Father, right now, just come and do what only you can do and speak to our hearts, change our lives in the name of Jesus. Someone said... Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to have you here. My name's Matt. For those of you that don't me, know me, thanks, Kelf. Um, it's, it's really wonderful to have you here. We've got hospitality happening later. And we, like, do hospitality for everyone when we do it. And so um, we just have the prayer team have been praying all week um, that the spirit of calories would be reversed in Jesus' name. And so um, I'm not sure we're that powerful in prayer, but we'll see. Um, so we're going to enjoy donuts and coffee and stuff like that outside. There's also a photo wall out there. If you want to have a photo with dad or someone or just yourself, you go for it. Go for it. We won't ask questions. It's all good. Um, um, lastly, one of the things that I did want to do is I just did want to take the sincere opportunity just to... Just to um, acknowledge and just let you know that we're thinking and praying and standing with all of the dads and all the people, or maybe the daughters or the sons that have, that have recently lost dads. And we know that this can be a, a hard time. It can be kind of a trigger moment for some people. And so we just want to take this opportunity to let you know that this church community is standing with you. We're praying for you. 
and uh, we're really believing that uh, you would have a greater revelation today, that you had an earthly father, but you will forever have an eternal father uh, displayed in the perfect love of Jesus. Amen. Let's go to our Bibles this morning. I wouldn't, uh, I'd love for you to turn to, uh, where should you turn to? I don't really know. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21. The scriptures are going to be on the screen in a moment. Um, and I'll let you walk there. We're kind of in this conversation as a church community at the moment where we're talking about stewardship. And uh, I've warned you that in, over the next couple of weeks, we'll have a conversation around money. We, we don't do an offering talk every single... We, we don't do an offering talk um, on a Sunday. Instead, we invite... We believe in tithing. We believe in giving. We believe that they're spiritual laws and principles. Um, they're not... Uh, laws that get you into heaven, right? So just to really clarify that, this isn't like a, a money-orientated type of thing. Jesus is just not about that. So one of the things that we've wanted to do is really um, communicate quite clearly that, uh, that God is in control of the finances. And whilst we believe in giving and tithing and all those sorts of things, we also just don't want to put that pressure on um, because we know that giving has a, an effect spiritually when you have a revelation attached to it. Otherwise, it's just we just get religious, don't we? And it's kind of like, like you can sit in the, in the worship time, but unless you have a revelation that this is more than a song, then it just is a song, if, if that's all you've got, is just a song. And our giving in every area of our life, finances is one of those areas, uh, can just be like that. And so we want to, whatever we do, a big part of stewardship, which you've heard over the last couple of weeks, is connected to what's happening in here. It all means nothing if the heart is not engaged. It all becomes, a, it all, it all becomes like those that were in... Um, those that Jesus was kind of challenging all the time, uh, the religious people of Jesus' day, it all just becomes that if our hearts get disconnected from who he is. And so uh, we're talking about stewardship, and today I thought it would be appropriate. Um, so we've, we'll talk about money in a few weeks. We've, we're going to talk about stewarding different areas of your life. Um, and today I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about stewarding relationships. Everyone say, uh-oh. <laughs> You're all so quiet. Is it the microphone? You're waiting me to bust out into a, like a Britney Spears song or something? <laughs> Baby, no, no. You all right? Everyone all right? Are you sure? Who was that other? Madonna. What did she sing? Get, oh. Someone just shouted out blasphemy. Fair enough too. In order for us to understand our role, our responsibility, and a godly way of being in relationships, we've got to understand that at the very essence of who God is, the very essence of his existence is a relationship, capital R. Our, the, the founding fathers of the Christian faith uh, classified the dynamic nature, the trichotomy of the Godhead, the Trinity as that word, the Trinity. Trinity is not a word that you'll find in the Bible, but it's kind of the closest way that we've kind of 
um, in our limited human intellect over the years, been able to describe and bring clarity and theology and thought around who this God is. So we believe that God is three in one. We believe that God is fully the Father, He is fully the Son or the Word, and He is fully the Spirit. And they operate in perfect union. They operate in perfect love. They operate in perfect function. There is nothing about them that clashes. There is nothing about the Spirit saying, why didn't I get to do that resurrection bit? That would have been fun. (laughs) There's nothing in the Father that is saying, well, there's nothing in the Father that's looking at the Spirit like this is a hierarchy, okay? And so we are trying to comprehend sometimes the Trinity, which to be honest with you, and this might help someone that's struggling with their faith, you're not going to understand everything about God. And the moment your intellect starts to think that it can understand everything about God, you've lost sight of who God truly is. There are some things about him that just are simply a mystery. There are some things about him that are going to remain in this life unknown. And a part of the journey of faith is not pretending that those mysteries or not going on a deep dive or a search in, uh, in order to d- discover answers to those mysteries or those things that we don't know. But it's also understanding the human condition. And that human condition says that it is impossible for us to understand even God's ways, let alone who God is. The Bible tells us that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And so there is always going to be a tension in your life, whether you're a pastor of a church, whether you're a single parent, whether you're a teenager trying to find out what you want to do with your life, doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum, you're going to go through a journey of wrestling and living in this tension of going, I don't really know the answer to that question. The worst thing that you can do in that moment where you don't have an answer about who God is, number one is turn to the world for information, (laughs) aka Google. (laughs) They start Googling answers. This is why, I'm jumping ahead slightly, you being in good Christian community, in discipleship-orientated relationships is vital for your spiritual growth. In fact, can I say it another way? Can I say it a bit of a stronger way? You will not grow, spiritually speaking, if you're not doing it and acknowledging that it's going to happen through human relationships. Coming back to my introduction, God, in essence of who he is as a created, as, a, uh, as God, sorry, he is a relational being. He is capital R. Someone in essence is relationship. And so we've got to understand this because uh, we are, were created in the image of God. Let me give you these, these uh, four quick things just to, just to jot down and then we'll talk about them before we get to our scriptures this morning. Number one, we're talking about stewarding relationships. So we've got to understand why we need relationships. Number one, because you and I were created in God's image. And because in his image and his likeness, we were created because God exists within the context of community we also are created in that way. We know 
as Adam was uh, created in, in Genesis, we know that then God, and remember, Adam and God had a relationship. But even God looked at Adam and he said, hey, Adam, or he said to himself, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make a helper for him. And so you know the story out of Adam's side, he pulled out Adam's rib and he made a helper for Eve. Now, some people think, can we just have a, I know it's Father's Day, but let's just, just let's just help the ladies for a moment because um, I feel they're, they're normally more vocal in the sermons than this. So um, just need to make sure you know I'm for you. Um, but it, it, is, it is fascinating when you think about it that um, what, what's, the Bible tells us that he pulled the woman out. He said, I need to make a helper for you. And the woman became Adam's helper. I don't have time to go too deep on that, but there's a suggestion that says that the, one of the reasons why Adam didn't question Eve about eating the fruit is because she was like what the Spirit is to the church. What, what is the Holy Spirit called? Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. You can see the garden happening all over again. And so he sends the spirit. And so one of the reasons, husbands, why you should listen to your wife is because, come on, now I'm preaching. It's because, oh, <laughs> oh this is funny. Oh, this is too funny. Is, is because she, 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 is the, she is your helper. So Adam had no reason, because he didn't know she was deceived by the serpent, to question when Eve said you should have this. So number one, we're creating an image of God. Number two, relationship is God's design for man. Because we are creating in the image of God, number two, relationship is God's design for man. Mankind. Relationship is God's design. And so it's important for us to acknowledge relationship was created as a created thing before the fall of mankind. Before sin entered in the world, God created relationship and it functioned perfectly. It was a gift to those that were in relationship. So relationship is God's design. Number three, people, people are the object and the reason for ministry. Everyone say ministry. When I say ministry, often the church think that what I'm actually saying is preaching or worship leading. But that's not the way the Bible wants you to think about what ministry is. And we have a little saying here at our church at Empower that we want a church full of ministers, not members. And it's acknowledging that if, you're gonna, if you and I are going to have the impact in the world that God desires us to have, we've got to shift our mentality away from this idea that ministry happens in this holy building. Some ministry does, but most of the ministry, even that Jesus did, nearly every single one of the miracles that Jesus did, did not happen within the temple. It happened out in the marketplace. It happened in the streets. It happened in someone's home. And so we've got to understand as we wrestle, as we have a conversation about stewarding relationships, is that all ministry for you as a minister, the reason is people. The reason and the object is 
people. All ministry flows for or to people. Number four, that God, we're talking, just setting up this idea of why relationships are important, is that God will restore, um, he will restore relationships. He'll restore what is broken. And we see this in Revelations 21, where God, through the, uh, through the, prof, well, through the apostle John, as he has this revelation, and he shows him this, this vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And he shows that God is redeeming all things, including broken relationships. And so relationships are good, but they're, still, they're a broken aspect of what God is still restoring. Does that make sense to you? And so God is in the business of redeeming them. And so we as the church... God has kind of thrown us into the messiness of living life in relationship. Just turn to your neighbor and say, that's awesome. One of the challenges is that you and I bring our own brokenness to relationship. Let's read some scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, 21. Are you there? You're live? What's the time? Let's be done soon. You've heard that it was said to those of old. That's Jesus basically saying this. This is what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus is trying to say that um, you've, you've, you already know something. You already operate in a certain way. You already think in a certain direction. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say... So I'm now telling you there's a new way of doing it. But I say that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, I'm not sure what that means. If that offends anyone, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Um, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift, listen to this. We're talking about the importance of relationship stewarding relationships well. It's something you can't avoid. It's just something you can't avoid. It's impossible. <laughs> Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, so if you come to the altar to worship, right, with your gift, right, look at what it says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, not if you have something against your brother. That pretty much goes without saying that if you have offended someone, it is your responsibility to go and make that right. That, that kind of goes without saying. But even it goes to another level. And Jesus says, if you uh, bring a gift to the altar and, you, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The power of relationships. Did you know your relationship with God is intrinsically connected to your relationship with others? You know, if you, if you have one of, the, one of the great signs of spiritual immaturity is look at someone's relationships. Firstly, do they have any? 
Secondly, what do those relationships look like? Now, please hear my heart, life happens. I'm from a single parent home. Life happens, divorce happens, crazy things happen. People make good and bad decisions. I'm not having a go at any way, shape or form in that. I'm trying to help us to understand the value of relationships. I do also want to really clearly say that in order for reconciliation to happen, it, that's a mutual thing. So you can come back and ask, I can ask you for forgiveness, but from there onwards is not my responsibility. And so I get that not every relationship is going to be restored in the perfect sense of the word. But what I'm trying to help you to understand that is if you do not have a heart to reconcile, number one, you are not operating in the image of Jesus. And number two, you are going to block up your relationship with God. You're going to block it up. You're going to make it really difficult. In fact, maybe this text is suggesting that your worship is not going to be heard your gift is not going to be received if you have disorder amongst relationships. So it's super important. This is how it reads that verse, that passage of Scripture. This is how it reads in, in the message translation. Because this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious. Everyone say serious. And watchful in your prayers. And above all, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of our sins. And that's really important for us to note. Because you and I have a sinful nature. And so often our baseline is living according to that sinful nature, right? And so you and I are who have a sinful nature until we go to be with Jesus. There is always going to be a dynamic of that within our relationships. And so uh, here Peter is saying, you've got to have fervent love. You've got to have a love that is way beyond the status quo. You, you can't just live like there's a worldly level of love that when someone offends you, you just move on. But this fervent version of love displayed in the life of Jesus that says while they were still sinners, Christ died and gave himself for them. It's that kind of love that I want you to live within the context of Christian community. It's the kind of love that says they're going to hurt me. That person offended me. They didn't give me... They, they, they hurt me by not doing something and they hurt me by doing something. But a fervent kind of love is not a status quo kind of love because a fervent kind of love continues to love despite the cost at times to you, the inconvenience to you and understands that when I love that way, love is going to cover the multitude of sins. And so it continues, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
So here we're talking about stewardship and and stewarding relationships well. A part of us stewarding relationships is acknowledging that God has put a gift in you. Everyone say, I have a gift. gift. Say it a little louder. Say, "I I have a gift. The thing about this gift, right, is that God put this gift inside of you. But he didn't put that gift inside of you for you. He put that gift inside of you for someone else. And this is why we've got to steward relationships well. Because you know what's really frustrating about being a human being? Is God put, God put the miracle that I need inside of someone else. God put the miracle that I need inside of someone else. So you're looking at me blankly. Let me break it down. If I need encouragement, yes, there's a spiritual, there's a, there's a spiritual language when we speak in tongues. The Bible says that we encourage ourselves in the Lord. But if I need encouragement, the primary place that is going to come from, if I need the miracle of someone putting courage into me, that's going to come through a gift of encouragement that God's put in someone else. The way God blesses us, even financially speaking, is always through someone else. And so I wanted you to say, I have a gift, because I want you to understand the power of and the importance, the value of you understanding your role in the context of a spiritual community, the church of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that you have a gift and you've got a gift and that gift that God put inside of you, whether it's a talent, whether it's treasure, whether it's time, whatever those things might be, it might just be a simple word, but whatever it might be, God has put that gift inside of you. But that gift isn't just for you. That gift is so that you can be a blessing and bring the body of Christ into maturity. That blessing, that miracle, that God, that resource, that talent, that time, that treasure that God has put inside of you is actually so that you can use that thing that God has put inside of you, whatever it might be, right? Or the stuff that God has given you, it doesn't matter what it is, so that you can use that to be a blessing and a witness to the world that there is a God that loves them. And so the way that you're a good steward of the manifold grace of God is when you minister to one another. So you want to be a good steward of the, man of, of the grace of God? I'm sure we all do. The way you do that is by ministering what God's put in you to others. Let's read John 13, 33. And then I'm going to give you some points and we're going to go home. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You will look to me, look for me. And just as I told the Jews... So I'll tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 34, highlight this in your Bibles, it's a good one. A new command, not suggestion, a new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples 
And then look at that little word. What's that next little word? If. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So love in a relational context is absolutely vital. In fact, Jesus is saying, hey, the way the world are going to know about me is not through the miracles, not through the signs, not through all those sorts of things. That's one way. But they'll know that you're my disciples. They'll know that you're followers of Jesus. Can we draw a distinction, right? Because I reckon the world at times, just being really honest, when they hear Christian, they have a whole lot, of, there's, a, there's a narrative that goes with that. And often it's not a good narrative and we as the church need to take responsibility for that narrative. The bio, I, I, I think a better way of maybe asking the question of ourselves is by saying that the world will know the world will know that we're his disciples by our love for each other. The world will know that we are followers. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. The world, the world don't get to know who this great Jesus is by your Sunday church attendance. God bless that. The world aren't going to, they're not being influenced by what we're doing here. I'm just being real with you. This isn't for the world, by the way. This is for the church. This is for the maturing and the equipping of the saints. That's why we gather in the context of our church community. The world aren't getting to know Jesus through your good Sunday attendance. The world are going to get to know this Jesus that we serve by the love that we have for each other, which goes way beyond our Sunday worship and influences every part of our life. I want to give you these, I'm going to read them out because I'm not going to preach to all of them, but I want to give you these six things that I want you to think about in the context of stewarding relationships. And then we're going to go home. Calvin, you jump up. Please, sir. We're talking about stewarding relationships. Here's just six practical things that I want you to consider as we steward relationships. Is this helping someone? Yeah. Number one, I want you to write the word down, invest. What, what am I investing in the context of relationships? Number one, you can invest your time. That's a big one. You can invest your treasure. I've already said these things a few times already. And number one, you can invest your talents. You want to show love and value to people? You can invest those things. If you're going to um, have an expectation that you're going to be in a healthy relationship, it's got to be both giving and taking, sowing and reaping. It can't just be one or the other. And so maybe some of your relationships are broken because you haven't realised, but you're just a taker. Maybe. And so we've got to humbly approach all of our relationships. And we've got to ask some big questions. One of the greatest things that I pray for your life is that you become a little bit more self-aware in the context of the Spirit revealing to you who you are. It's my prayer all the time. 
Because you know what one of the most damaging things to relationships are? It's a thing called blind spots. It's a thing where we, we all we see. We, we can't, there's things about my life I can't see. And so I need good friend, friends to just kind of go, that sucked when you did that. The way you said that, that was out of order. And I need good friends that can, can be close enough to me as a, as a, as a man, because I'm a human first, by the way, just I know I'm a pastor of a church, <laughs> but don't let that deceive you. I'm ordinary, I'm broken, I make mistakes. And so what I need in my life is I need to surround myself with people that will just be like, yeah, nah. You know, that will really be like, hey, check it, how are you going? And it's, there's an investment both ways. It's, it's a mutual thing. And so we're, we're responsible. And that's what I want you to get out of that. I want you to understand that you're responsible. You can't control someone else's input and output in a relationship, but you do have the opportunity to take responsibility for it for yourself. If you're in a, if you're in a, uh, in marriage, it's the same thing. It's give and take. And my, my prayer is that you would, um, yeah, that you would invite the Holy Spirit into that place in the context of your marriage. Say, God, can you help me? Can you help us to grow in that area? So number one around stewarding relationship is you've got to invest. Number two, and I've already touched on this a little bit, but knowing God, I want you to write this down, knowing God so that you can know yourself. That's the self-awareness. It's a spiritually orientated self-awareness. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to show you areas of, of your life that need changing. Because a lot of the times, let me speak to married couples for a moment. I've been married 20 years, so I've just ticked over into that, that stage where I can actually talk on marriage. You have to... <laughs> Two years in and I'm up there preaching, giving marriage advice. Come on, somebody. But you gotta know yourself, one of the greatest obstacles to healthy relationships of any dynamic is when you've got someone that doesn't know who, who they are. That's called insecurity. And insecurity creates an atmosphere in your relationship where there is always question marks. And so you gotta to get to know God, that's the journey of Christianity. Listen, listen, zoom into this. The goal of Christianity is not becoming a good church person. It's not about get it, getting better at doing this. It's about getting more like Him. It's not about doing all this happy clappy, and I love it, I'm about it. I'm on my knees, I'm praying, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm there. But that's not the goal. The goal is to be like Him. The goal is to be like Him. And when I grow to be like Him, He reveals to me through the revelation of who Jesus is by the Holy Spirit, who I am supposed to be. So are you seeing this? We're saying invest, that's 
an outward thing, but we're also now saying number two, to steward relationships well. You've got to steward yourself. Number three, write this down. I want to give you a few scriptures on this one, is prophetic sight. I want you to see people when it comes to relationships. I want you to see people, even I've got in my notes in brackets, even the broken ones, even the sandpaper ones. Do you know what that means? Give me a wave if you know what that means, the sandpaper. It's a ministry in the church. It's called the sandpaper ministry. It's those that come up and rub off on you the wrong way. They take all those hard edges off, you know, those really annoying people. Don't look around. Keep your elbows to yourself. But you've got to see people even, slash especially the broken ones, <laughs> as Jesus sees them. And then I've got more brackets in my notes. I should have put this on the screen because it would have been easy to understand. And it says this, by the way, you probably are the broken one. The challenge for us in, our, in this Christian community is for us to see people the way Jesus sees them. You know, we've all got a story that we can relate to this. But say, say my brother is homeless. He's living on the streets. He hasn't bathed for months. He's dysfunctional. He's not, by the way. He'll probably listen to this sermon at some point in time. But just, just say, his outward condition doesn't change the fact that he is my brother. And you know what? Ministering to him becomes easy because he's my brother. Whereas if that was someone that I were to pass up the road, I don't know their story. I don't know if they're violent. I don't know this. I don't know if that. But the truth is, that person's my brother. The same blood that was shed on that cross for my little happy, clappy church life was shed for that person too. And so we must invite the Spirit. Come on, can we please invite the Holy Spirit for, to say, God, give us heaven's eyes when we see people. Give us heaven's eyes. Let us see through the absolute rubbish of fame. But let us also see through the brokenness of the other extreme of our society. And let us see with heaven's eyes that these are people that need the grace of God. They need the love of Jesus displayed to them through people. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Psalms 139, verses 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. womb. John uh, 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Matthew 7, 3 to 5. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that it's in your own eye? Why do you, how can you say, excuse me to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? 
you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Come on, come on church. Can we see those that we're playing basketball with, those that we're at work with, those that we're digging a hole with, those that we're, that we're hanging out with school at, those, whoever they might be, can we please start to invite the Holy Spirit to see these people through the eyes of heaven? Number four, let me give you these things. Number four is I want, when it comes to stewarding relationships, I want you to love hard. Write that down, love hard. I'll give you these things. I wanna come back to that one. Number five, humility. And number six is pray. I want you to pray into relationships. I want you to pray that God would close doors to relationships you're not meant to be in. And I want you to pray that God would open doors to relationships that God does want you to be in. But I want you to be praying for those that you're in relationship with. Some of you in this room, your best friend sits on the other side of this auditorium. You just don't know it yet. Your life partner, come on, go ahead and prophesy, pastor. Come on, who needs a word? Stand up right now. Don't. Who wants the scripture reference for those other two things? Just quickly, I'll just give them to you. You can write them down and then we're gonna pray and go home. For the love hard, man, this is a big one. I wanted to preach this so hard, but it took too long to get there. First Corinthians 13, you know that, the love chapter. Second, uh, Colossians 3.12. Write that, write that down, Colossians 3.12. Talks about loving with long-suffering, bearing one another's burdens, forgiving one another. You know, forgiveness, <laughs> forgiveness is one of the most important things in relationships. And forgiveness is, is a natural thing, but more than that, it's a supernatural thing. And you're not, here's the thing about forgiveness. This is why God asks us to ask for forgiveness of our sins. It's because you were not meant to carry what was connected to unforgiveness. The burden of what is connected to living with unforgiveness in your heart. And please listen to my heart. Like what, one of the things that's really annoying about church life at times is when a message like this happens and then people are coming up Sarah, I just want to forgive you because you really offended me the other day. You know what I'm saying? You know that, you know that whole thing? Like, that doesn't help. Like, just, I'm not Dr. Phil, but if I was, I'd be saying that that approach doesn't necessarily help. Take it to the Lord. You know, Bill, how you offended me in that way, um, I just, you know, I forgive you, brother. 
Nine times out of 10, they've got no idea. So take it to the Lord. In the context of your relationships, husband, wife, wife, husband, I hope you're having some really open, hard, transparent conversations. I really do. Because if you're not, it means you've got secrets. And secrets, ready for my deep word, are bad. Because little secrets all become big sins. Anyway, love hard. Love the way Jesus loved and then live in humility. Humility, I want to say this about humility. Humility is like a superpower in relationships. Humble yourselves. In fact, it's a spiritual law I might preach one day about the power of humility, the spiritual law of humility. That when we humble ourselves, the Bible says he gives more grace to those that humble themselves. My close friends can attest to this in my life, so I'm not saying this is a humble brag. See what I did there? I'm just saying this because this is something that I honestly do live by. Whenever there is a, um, and I probably need to get better at going the other way and being a little bit stronger in different areas at times, being honest, we're just talking today, so it's all good. But I'm always trying to come in low. I'm always trying to come in to a conflict, trying to, number one, seek to understand before I'm sought to be understood. I'm coming in low because I'm well attuned and acquainted with my own brokenness. And so if, I've, if there's a tension, say, between Pastor Simon and myself, doesn't matter who it is realistically, but I always wanna come into the, into the conversation trying with sincerity to work out the part that I've played in this offence or conflict. I wanna come in low, I wanna come in humble. You know one of the greatest ways to resolve tension in your marriage? Approach any conflict you have with humility. But I'm right and she's wrong. Good luck with that. It should be she's right, I'm wrong. Anyway, just helping the ladies. Um, just joking. Humility is so important. Let nothing be done, Philippians 2, 3, with selfish ambition. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Humility, humble yourself. Come on, let's stand up, let's pray. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Lord. We just want to bless you today. We want to thank you for who you are. Lord, we want to really thank you right now for the precious gift that we have in the relationships that we have with one another. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we humble ourselves before you, we ask that you would correct, that you would align, 
We ask, Father, for unity. We ask, Father, right now for just an absolute God shift in relationships where we need them. And Father, really what we're saying is start with us. Start deep in the heart of each individual right now and change us. Change us, Lord. Do something in us, Holy Spirit, that you would change us, that we can love the way that you loved, that we can live the way that you live. And so, Father, right now, even as we think of the fathers in our community as the, and the fathers that are here today, we bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for who they are. We thank you for their future. We thank you for their contribution, Father. And we give you praise that their best days are ahead. And so Lord, right now, as we honour your presence, we ask Holy Spirit, we ask Holy Spirit that you change us. All we really want, our one goal is that your name would be glorified in all the earth. And do it, start it, let it begin in our relationships as we align them with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for his word this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you, God. We receive it, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day, coffee, donuts, all those sorts of fun things are out there. Uh, we would love to see you next Sunday if you're available. Our prayer team are going to come. If you have any prayer needs, you want prayer, they're going to come. They'd love to stand with you and agree with you in prayer. Have a wonderful afternoon and we'll see you sometime soon. God bless you all.